travels for work at The Athletic. We have an interactive map that goes with it. To talk about this list, which has taken years to put together, I'm bringing in a guy who probably had more input into this list without knowing it than anyone. That is Dan Rubenstein. You can hear him on the Solid Verbal Podcast, the original, the OG college football podcast, the oldest and still the best. Dan, how you doing? I'm great. And I haven't eaten yet today, and I was perusing your list, which is so thorough. It's almost like you had to list out everywhere you've eaten, as, like you were committing a crime. You were like casing America to rob places. It's that thorough and that detailed. Well, you know what What I did is I just went through the photos on my phone, mm-hmm. and anytime I saw food, I clicked, and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that place. And if I didn't remember it, it didn't make the list. Right. And for the most part, that's how it worked. Now, it, there are a few places that I, I've been going to for a long, long time that, that predate iPhones and predate phones with cameras on them, period. But it, it's, it's a pretty long list. And it's funny because there are going to be people who look at it and go, how come there's nothing in Boston? How come there's nothing in, in Memphis? Well, blame your local college football teams. <laughs> I just haven't been sent there to, to write about them is the problem. That's, that's if... If there is a hole in the list, right. it's because I haven't gotten to go there, and don't worry, I'm begging my bosses to go there so I can eat more. The Memphis thing is especially vexing, because people always ask me about Memphis bar- barbecue places, and I've been to the Rendezvous, sure. and I've been to Corky's, but I haven't been to some of the, the other ones and some of the newer ones, mm-hmm. and so I don't feel like I can give them any recommendations. National guy parachuting in, not putting in the work, not... T- not having his boots on the ground to eat 44 places in 36 hours, typical mainstream eating media. That's exactly right. That's that's what it is. It's those the, the local food beat writers get very mad when I show up because sure. you know that they, they know that I'm just going to hand pick the uh, the tourist. No, that's the thing. There's a few tourist traps on here, mm-hmm. but they're only they're only on there because they're actually good. And there's a few chains that. That weren't chains when I first started going there. Right. There's a couple places that have gone. I think there's a pie place that started in Knoxville called Buttermilk Sky Pie. I think they have like 23 locations now, and I almost didn't put them on the list. But I'm like, no, I loved it when it was this one place. Mm-hmm. So I'm putting it on the list. You were you were into the band before they hit the radio. You were you were That's way right. you're a you're a food hipster and you're trying to pretend like you're not. It's okay. I see you. But the the difference is after they sell out, I still love them. Right. That's why that's why Four Rivers Smokehouse, which started in Winter Park, Florida, is on this list. It's it's basically a barbecue place that has become a chain. Mm-hmm. It's in every big city in Florida. Here's the the dirty secret though. Their version is better than the local places in almost every town they've gone into. Yeah. No, there are I'm sorry, that's true. There are plenty of great micro chains. The only thing I would say is if you are if you're a fan of a certain team and you're going on the road to watch your team play somewhere for the first time, you don't know what to eat. Um 
the big thing is do some research and I'm sure we'll get into your strategy for what you do when you go to a new town or you go back to a town and you still have so much left to eat. The big thing is if there's a chain within Atlanta or Minneapolis or Lubbock or wherever, that's okay if it's sort of self-contained to a region or place. Right. It's still it's still new to you. It's still you can't new to get you. it where you're from. But if you're going because it's familiar, like in the way that people, if they go to New York or L.A. or Chicago or a big city and you're saying, well, Olive Garden is familiar, Buffalo Wild Wings is familiar, that's where you're doing a disservice to yourself and to that city. Now, I think back to, to the first time I ever went to New York and I went late. Mm-hmm. The first time I ever saw New York, I think I was 25 years old. And, and it was very much the country mouse in the big city sure. kind of thing. Like, wow, look at that. But I remember walking past the Olive Garden in Times Square and just going, because it was packed, mm-hmm. and just saying, why? Yeah. You have all this. Why? It's because it's familiar. It's because you know what you can expect. And I understand the comfort in that because it's why people stay at certain hotels. It's why people go to the same theme park every year for vacation instead of traveling somewhere new and exciting. I I understand what's behind it. I just I don't agree with it. And especially, you know what? I, I was thinking about this earlier because I knew we'd probably broach it. When you go to, let's say you go to Columbia, Missouri, or you go to Pullman, Washington, and you're like, well, you know what? I want to watch a game. There's a Buffalo Wild Wings. That's easy enough. One of the things that really does the disservice to that town and to you is when when Sean waits on you, when Laura waits on you, whatever, they don't seem like they're from that place. They just seem like they're a Buffalo Wild Wings employee. Whereas if you go to your pie place. They were created in a, in a Buffalo Wild Wings lab somewhere yes. in, in Joplin, Missouri, and, and just shipped out to the, to the rest of the I country. will say it's totally unfair to characterize them that way, who are just trying to work and wait on tables and feed their family, presumably. But I'm saying that's when you have like the polo shirt, when you have the earpiece, you're just like, oh, okay, the, I, I understand this transaction and there is zero charm to it. Dan, I don't like to talk about my flair. <laughs> I understand this. So, but it, funny you brought up Olive, or I, I guess I brought up Olive Garden and, as an example of the ubiquitous chain. Mm-hmm. In middle school, we went on a field trip to the original Olive Garden when it was not a ubiquitous chain. Yep. It, it started in Altamont Springs, Florida on, on Highway 436. And back then it was just the Olive Garden, the Italian restaurant. And because the Darden restaurant chain is, is based there, so they would test market a lot of different stuff nearby. And so we were like, oh, it's the, oh, it's the place with the breadsticks. We love this place. And, but alas, it, it didn't make the list. But th- this, was, this was a fun list to compile, but also a little bit bittersweet, Dan, because of the situation we're in. And you know, normally we'd put out a list like this saying, okay, football season's about to start. A lot of you are going to be traveling to all these places. I want you to eat at these places if you get a chance. Now I feel like we're saying, hey, if you live in these towns, please go and, and go eat at these places and support them. So they can be open the next time everybody can go go eat there. Yeah. No, it, it's such an enormous bummer. Even looking at this list, I have no idea when I'm going to be back to any of these places. And I can sort of try to sketch out in my mind. I'm currently in California, but based out of New York, and I have family in Chicago, but I don't know when I'm going to any of these places. And it's one of those things where if I were if I were single or didn't have a kid, I would just start making food road trips. I would that that that's what this would inspire me to do. But I'm not in that situation. I just 
you're right. And I hope these places are surviving with takeout delivery or getting creative with trucks or pop-ups or something like that to help get people good food. Because it's one of those things, too, where we're in a very, depending on where you are, obviously situations are different everywhere, but we're sedentary. A lot of us are in homes or just going out for essentials. And if we can feed people in an interesting way, that's at least something pretty great that's at least a positive something to look forward to an amazing exactly it gives you something to look forward to for a day for a week i mean it's like if you live in athens georgia and you can go get one of those cinnamon rolls from mama's Mm -hmm. like i would look forward to that for a week that would be the highlight of my week right now and i there's a couple places near where i live that we've tried to get to and and make sure we support Mm -hmm. that they stay open, and, and one of them, even though restaurants in Florida are allowed to open up, they haven't opened the dining room yet. There's still takeout, but we we had some the other day. And some of these I've, I've put on the list, even though they're still closed, because yeah. it looks like they're planning to reopen. One of the sadder things about putting the list together, I, I think this would have been closer to 400 restaurants had this not happened because there's a bunch that that have just closed and it doesn't look like they're coming back yeah it no it, it's terribly sad and hopefully on some level it's it's a way when things whenever that is that things get better that places can be sleeker and more thoughtful about expanding too quickly or just sticking with core products not i'm not placing fault on any of these restaurants but you know it, it, in a time where there is so much that needs to be changed in the restaurant industry. It'd be very cool to use this as a way to sort of reboot and make life better for everybody. Well, and it's interesting because if you look at this list, and, and I'm sure you've noticed this too, because mm-hmm. you helped me pick out a lot of these places, that there are a lot of places on here that do focus on a few core things that they do great. Sure. Most of these places have very small menus. There's, there's some like uh, Masterpiece in Duluth, Georgia is a, is a Sichuan Chinese place that does have a pretty extensive menu. Mm-hmm. But, you know, homegrown Georgia, we'll stick, we'll stick in the Atlanta area. The comfy chicken biscuit, if that were the only thing on their menu, which is an open-faced fried chicken biscuit with, with sausage gravy on it, if that were the only thing on the menu, they would still do great business. Sure. And I, I feel like that's the way to go. And, and maybe because I'm such a barbecue guy, mm-hmm. That's how I feel because, you know, Texas, you need to be able to serve the Trinity, brisket, pork ribs, and sausage. Mm-hmm. If you're good at that, you'll, you'll succeed. I don't need a Cheesecake Factory-esque menu no. to be happy. No, I appreciate craftsmanship and focus and expertise, and that's what's great. And this is, I grew up in Southern California, so... The reason I got to see so many places is because at one point we were coworkers, even though we lived in different parts of the country, and I traveled the country going to college football games and eating people's food and trying new places, and it opens up your eyes to the place. And that to me is, I thought, and this is 100% true, I thought Rudy's was the best barbecue that I had ever had when I, the first time I had it because it was the first time I had Texas barbecue in Texas. And what I then learned was Rudy's is excellent for what it is. Rudy's is, I would never be able to get barbecue like that in California at a gas station ever, ever, ever. And that, that to me is, is the sort of beauty of, of traveling, of learning. And the other thing I was going to say when you brought it up, like you go to a city and the, the notion that a lot of people have that are into food, I think is, well, I'm going to Memphis. I got to get barbecue. I'm going to New Orleans. I got to get Cajun food. I'm going to New York. I got to get pizza. And I would say, Yes, but 
there's so much more to ever like the Vietnamese food in New Orleans is just exactly. Is I, was, I was about to bring beyond. that up, and there is there is a, a Vietnamese place in New Orleans called Mint that's yeah. on this list. There's there's two barbecue places in New Orleans, and you don't think about New Orleans as a barbecue right. town, but there's two barbecue places, one a more traditional one, and one that serves good barbecue, but actually serves the best chicken sandwich in America one day a week. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I believe it. And that's the other thing about this list. There's there's a few fancy places on here. There's a couple places you can drop a couple hundred bucks at, but for the most part, I'd say ninety percent of it is places that are very reasonable that would be equivalent to, to you going to Chili's and that's about how much you'd spend. Yeah. And I would encourage you, and I say this because of my own just dumb brain going up, going around the country, is I would encourage you to not go in close-minded of, of saying like, okay, I'm in Seattle. There's no way the barbecue in Seattle is good. I'm going to Cincinnati. There's no way the pizza here can be good because, and this is a secret that I like letting people in on, there's wood everywhere. There's beef availability exactly. everywhere. There are cr- there, there, there are people who are, want to do. There are two do... great barbecue places on this list yeah. in the Detroit metro. Sure, area. of course there are, and it's it's one of those things. I understand the regional pride about you know you're from Texas. I know barbecue. I'm from Texas. I know biscuits. I'm from North Carolina. Whatever, but the the will of people to make food correctly and with expertise is so far beyond what a dumb brain like mine can comprehend. It's great. Well, and and sometimes that they're just creative. Yes. They're, that you you would never even think of it like. There's a place in Fort Lauderdale called Foxy Brown. Mm-hmm. Dan, did you eat Chef Boyardee growing up? Not a lot, but I, I did eat it, yes. Okay, so I ate every every variety. Okay. The spaghetti and meatballs, the beefaroni, the mini ravioli, all that. That was, oh, probably eight meals a week when I was in <laughs> elementary school. Okay. At Foxy Brown, they make beefaroni, but they make it with short rib ragu. Mm-hmm. So imagine this thing you loved as a child, but you knew was crap, made with the best possible ingredients. It's the best. It's the It's incredible. Best. Yeah. You can find uh, homemade Pop-Tarts at coffee places around the country. You can, you know, the, a peanut butter and jelly Pop-Tart or something like that. I, I happen to love anytime somebody takes something that is familiar. And I think, you know, David Chang, and I know we've eaten at his restaurants uh, across the country, David Chang has something that I thought was like the most profound thing or one of the most profound things is there's no flavor like nostalgia, right? There's there's nothing that anybody can make that's going to be more powerful than something that reminds you of something you ate when you were nine or 14, something that uses an ingredient that one of your parents used or that you ate at school or something like that. It's so profoundly powerful because it's your brain eating it, not just your mouth. Well, and there's a place that you took me that's on the list uh, called Cool House. Mm-hmm. And now you can get Cool House stuff in stores out in California now. But we went to the truck, I believe it was a first Friday in Venice. Right. And they've got a scoop shop, but they, they do these incredible ice cream sandwiches where they do the fresh baked cookies mm-hmm. and the ice cream that they make there. So there's a salted caramel in a snickerdoodle cookie <laughs> that is just I mean, it's a dream. Yeah. And they also have yellow cake batter flavored ice cream, which, you know, the cake batter thing got pretty played out. But I had never seen yellow cake batter because yellow cake's a very different mm-hmm. kind of specific thing that reminds me of like 4th of July at my great aunt's house. And in ice cream form? Yeah. Oh, 
Oh my god. Yeah. No, it's it's why that if I'm at a random taco place in I I went to one in Iowa, I think that was really good, and the tortillas tasted like the tortillas that my mom would pick up from a local bakery in Southern California. I was like, well, this is a perfect taco. Now, if you were to go there, you might say, oh, yeah, it's fine. This is pretty good. But there is something that like if there is that that kernel of truth to you, it's it's just perfection. Well, there, there was a barbecue place that almost made the list. It wasn't quite the, the barbecue's okay. It's it's uh, Hudson Smokehouse in, in Lexington, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. It almost made it because of the tea, because of the iced tea. Yeah, their sweet tea tastes like my grandmother's sweet tea. Yeah, that's all that matters ultimately, and that's why it's one of those things. And I'm not going to sort of I I'm, I think I'm done arguing with people about food on Twitter or social media, or whatever, just because I think I've said everything I think already. But it it's what annoys me when people talk about in and out and they say it didn't live up to the hype i don't get it it's just as good like that's fine it most likely it's because you didn't grow up going to in and out and so you are trying to also because the fries suck. the fries are not good i i will i've never enjoyed the fries but what people love about in and out is the fact that they've had it in their lives for 30 years and it tastes like a little league game it tastes like we're, we just finished boogie boarding at the beach. It tastes like a road trip to Bend, Oregon from Northern California or whatever. And so that to me is that once I sort of thought about food in that way, it, it sort of warped everything in my brain in a, an interesting way. No, it's you're exactly right. And there's there's a place that, that it sort of periodically opens and closes down to Orlando where I grew mm-hmm. up and and. It's called Uncle Jones Barbecue. They had a brick and mortar place when I was in high school in Altamont Springs, and I would go over there and and eat the buffet. They they did a barbecue buffet lunch sure. and dinner, and I would eat that all the time. And it's objectively not great barbecue, but it was my favorite place. I kept their business card in my wallet till I was thirty. Yeah, no, I think we all have places, especially maybe where we went to college. I remember so I would go to a place in Eugene called Pegasus Pizza. It's right by campus, and we'd go there every Thursday night, and we would watch like the ESPN Thursday night college football game. We'd get pitchers of beer and a bunch of pizza. And I went back there a few years after I graduated, and objectively, the pizza's not that great, but it feels like I'm in Eugene, Oregon, and that's way more than enough to me. Also, I think there's a bar downstairs, and that's where Chip Kelly went after games. FYI. <laughs> exactly. That was his place. Well, that's what, so there's a place in, in Fayetteville, Arkansas called Theo's, that is currently closed right now. I, I pray it opens again because it's one of those. If you live in a college town, you understand the value of the one grown-up place. Yes. Oh, of course. In the college town where adults go, yeah. where the college kids don't go, and so Theo's makes really good cocktails. They have a sous vide pork chop with just with bacon marmalade on it. It's so good. But it is where Brett Bielema, when he was Arkansas's coach drew up Tritola left on one of the menus. And Tritola left is the play where the offensive lineman threw the touchdown yes. pass to the long snapper. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. I mean, that's that you can't beat that. As as far as the food's it's great that the food is good, but the story's even better. Yeah, you could give a tour of in the way that you can tour old Hollywood places where people have died, celebrities have died. If you did a tour of where coaches came up with ideas, where coaches decided to leave their school or got fired or wherever, there is a a haunted and exciting college football coach tour to be had somehow uh, because every there's, there's especially in college towns, there's a limited number of decent places in smaller cities or towns where most big schools are located. So it's hard to avoid 
people, it's hard to avoid stories. I forget there was something. See, I'm I'm totally blanking on what it is now. But I've, well, I'll, I'll give you give one. one. Uh, Napolitano's in Gainesville was Steve Spurrier's favorite place. Okay, and that's where they would the coaches would go after every game. Mm-hmm. After road games, when the plane landed, they were straight to nappies, and and that's where they, they, they'd eat and drink. And it was the one place where they could unwind because there was a back room. Yeah, that's take the back into. room. Yeah, back nobody room. would bother them. Now, nappies unfortunately has gone all catering, so you can't you can't go there and eat anymore. You can you can have them cater your party and taste the sauce that, that Steve Spurrier loves so much, but it's not quite the same thing. No, it, it it's totally true, but. Uh... Yeah, I, I'm curious to like. I want to get a collection now. Maybe this is your new job. This is an oral history of post-game meals for coaches, and they talk about their favorite dishes. They talk about why that specific restaurant was accommodating, and all of the the behind-the-scenes wheeling and dealing that happened at Nappy's or happened at Shakespeare's Pizza or happened wherever. That to me, I love that kind of stuff. One that I I had on the list, and then I ended up taking it off and. It, it's it's right there hovering because I'm just not sure food wise that it, that it belongs on there. But Campisi's in Dallas, which is a kind of classic Italian restaurant. Legend has it that is where the salary cap for the Southwest Conference would be set. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course it was. I, I I mean I'd rather just believe it than question it right now. Um, who wrote the story about? Was it Ross Dellinger about Dan Mullen's uh, like soft serve order or milkshake order in Starkville? Who wrote that story? That was amazing. I think that was Ross. Yeah. yeah. Now it 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 is. I mean, everybody's got their spot, and you know it, that's that's the thing. It's it's what's special to you. And I'll be curious to see. I hope what this does as people read it is inspires them to tell me what their spot is in their town because chances are. We're going to get moving again. I'm going to get to go to your town, wherever that is. And that's what I want to try because I feel like the the social media has helped me more than anything find places that are real, that are not just some tourist trap. Because I, like, I remember going to this barbecue place once where the, the guy in charge was on the Food Network all the time and it was supposed to be really good. And I went there. It was so awful. I just I was so disappointed and like mad when I left. That doesn't happen when I say, hey, I'm going to this town, and 50 people write back with the same place, and maybe it's not the famous place. Right. Oh, yeah. You'll see there's there's decent ways to triangulate. You can use Yelp. I wouldn't use it as your only source. I would generally filter it through like the most reviewed places and then see of those most reviewed places what has done really well. I would use social media. I would tweet at beat writers because they're generally happy to tell you where is actually good in town, you know, skinny, not so skinny, and we are in between. Everybody generally tends to have strong opinions. Uh, Eater does a pretty good job with their maps. If a place keeps popping up everywhere as like, yep, this place has the sandwiches. Yep, this place has the sandwiches. You got to go here. There's a generally a good reason. And I, I'll just go with the, the human element over like, okay, Guy Fieri went here. And as great as Guy Fieri is, I need I need I need data points. I need as many well, data points I, I, as possible. I've been I've been in those shoes in a much smaller capacity when I was doing that punt pass and port column at SI. I was writing about a new re- a different restaurant every week, and sometimes you just don't have a great place to write about, and you got to write about something. And I've been to a couple places that diners, drive-ins, and dives had gone to, and and it's funny because it makes you appreciate the production value of that show. 
because they made every everywhere they went look amazing. But some of the places they went are just very average. And I don't think it was their fault. I think they were probably trying to cover everything geographically and they had to have some places in, in X city. Right. No. And it's one of those things, especially as it relates to, to college football, I really like going to places. And I, I sort of said this earlier where I feel like I'm there. I feel like I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, when I go to Mickey's dairy bar, is Mickey's dairy bar, the best milkshake in the universe. I don't know, but I feel like I'm having a good Madison time it's, when it's I'm there. It's pretty damn close. But the problem is you, you've eaten three quarters of a scrambler. Cause God knows you're not finishing the scrambler and having a milkshake, but yeah, it's pretty damn good. Funny, it, I just realized Brett Bielema had, plays, plays a, a very big role in a few places on this list. He told me to go to Mickey's for the first time when he was coaching at Wisconsin, and he said it was the, the first meal he went to with Barry Alvarez when he got the job as the DC for Barry, and Barry took him there for lunch on, on Brett's first day of work, and Brett eats a ton and he gets back to his office and all he wants to do is take a nap. And he's like, oh my God, I'm going to fall asleep and get fired on my first day. Yes. No, that is that is what Mickey's, that's the Mickey's experience, especially throughout the Midwest. If you go to a place that has a scrambler, has a garbage plate, has a whatever, you need to be very smart about what the rest of your day looks like. That is something, if you are planning to go to a college town and you're there on a Thursday, a Friday before the, the game on Saturday, and you want to eat, but you also want to, I don't know, you want to go for a hike, you want to go to a brewery, you want to walk around campus, you got to be very strategic about your order because a lot of those places are built for hangovers and you need to know that going in. Well, let, let's give the best tip we can give. And that for most of these places, there, now there's a few that are definitely dinner places or maybe a special anniversary dinner type place like Burns Steakhouse in, in Tampa, but most of them are open for lunch and dinner or open for breakfast and lunch or, or open all day. Go for lunch. Now, if you're, Dan, if you're Dan or me and you're doing intermittent fasting like we are, you're not going for breakfast because you don't eat breakfast. So... Like in January, I started doing this. I'm, I'm, I was 241 on the scale on, on Friday, Dan, and, and I only weigh myself every Friday. I was 280 when this started. Wow. So I was going to say, you're working. looking, I'm, I can see you on this Zoom connection. I, I don't know if I've seen you this lean. You're always, you always worked out a lot, but you are looking as a food expert, like you're floating away right now. Yeah, that's. That, I'm a little worried if this keeps up, if anybody's going to take me seriously. But I'm I'm going to keep losing until I stop losing because it, it it feels better. Yeah. It's oh yeah. It's nice not having to carry a toddler around on my back anymore. So I I appreciate it. But but yes, go for lunch, especially with the barbecue places. I I, I hate when people write me and say you recommended this barbecue place. We went for dinner and they didn't have anything left. Well, of course you went to a barbecue place for dinner. What do you expect? Like good barbecue places open at 11 a.m. and they close when they run out and they stop serving stuff when they run out. So if you want everything, you need to go for lunch. I could not agree more. And one, you can walk off your food before if you're going out that night, whatever. You can walk off your food after lunch, walking around campus, walking around town. Two, a lot of times really good places that do both lunch and dinner, they kind of save the secretly good stuff for lunch. You go to a place like Husk in Nashville or Greenville or Charleston. Oh, the burger, the burger at Husk. I I put the Nashville yeah. Husk on this list. It's that's my favorite burger in America because 
they do a burger exactly like I want a burger to be done in that it's just special sauce, American cheese and thinly shaved onions and a, a few wedge fries or whatever on a great squishy bun. But you can only get it at lunch or I think at the bar, depending on the location at dinner. So a lot of yeah, these the, places the, they sell it. They sell it in the bar in Nashville. And right. That was a great find. Yes. Yes. And so it's one of those things as well where. A lot of really good breakfast places are going to close at 3 p.m. You can still go there at noon whenever you start your eating for the day. But I don't, I don't know. There's something more creative to me about breakfast and lunch in a college town that that just that draws me in. It's completely the hangover factor. It's the hangover factor, but it's also maybe they're not as busy at lunch as they're going to be at dinner or at breakfast. And you get to, you know, the owner's there and you can ask questions about the place. If you're like a true food nerd like Andy and myself, there's just, I don't know, there's something about, you know, natural light and food that just gets me going. Yeah, lunch lunch is the magic meal. And it's better it for really your photos, is. too. It's one of those, if if you have a great lunch, you may not need dinner. True. And you probably don't need breakfast. <laughs> yeah, it's it's totally true. Get a workout in. Stuff your face at lunch and get in some steps, you know, go to a brewery, whatever, and just ease the rest of the day. There's some people who believe in day drinking because you can both drink and get a bunch of sleep because you can go to sleep early. One million percent. Yes. That's, that is one of the best discoveries as I've gotten older is the, 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 the youngsters, the college kids. And look, you shouldn't be doing this anyway right now. Right. You need to be social distancing. Right. But the youngsters who get ready starting at 9 p.m. and go out starting at 10 p.m. and stay out till 6 a.m. Right. You're idiots. No, no, no. When your classes end at two, go start drinking. Be done by eight and go to bed. It's the best. It is really great. It is particularly great. Though I will say, I think there's another reason why people go out at night and get drunk when they're young and attractive. That's true. I think there but, is that factor. Also, there's more time for that. There is more time for that. After the day drinking. There is more time for that. So, no, I'm with you, especially when I mentioned taking photos. Your your pictures of food are just going to look better, natural light in the middle of the day. Exactly. Although, I will say the golden hour shots. So, you know, depending on what part of the country you're in, you may want an early bird special your dinner Mm -hmm. so you can get some golden hour photos. Something I will also recommend people do because colleges or non-colleges, whatever, every city, town has areas that are ritzier, Okay. That's generally where the most boring food is going to be. Avoid the ritziest areas of any college town or any city because they're there to be seen and they're there for the wealthiest of people to sit in the most comfortable chairs and most attractive servers. Go away from the the ritzy areas. And the most creative chefs right now are broke. Well, sadly, they're broke across the board because of what's going on with the pandemic. But even under normal circumstances, the people who are just starting out, who have the the seed of a great idea that may be the next big thing, they're broke right now. So they're in a truck or they're in a part of town where they can afford the rent and you you just got to go find them. Yep. No. And generally the people with really successful places in nicer areas, even if they're delicious, it's not going to be a super fun clientele to be around. It's just going to be pretty pretty boring so i i would definitely go go to east austin go anywhere that uh wh- where is it in nashville it's also east nashville um yeah it's well i mean go to those look, places the, the, the best place in nashville in terms of the, the place where they invented the food that is most associated with nashville prince's hot chicken 
Now, Prince's has moved around over the years, but it's never been it, – it's, it's not in the gulch. You know, it, it's not in any of the, the zishi frou-frou places. It's, it's in a place where normal people go. And look, if you haven't been to Prince's, you haven't had hot chicken yet. No, totally true. I mean, the best, and this is going to sound sort of oxymoronic, but the best barbecue in L.A. is at a place called Bloodsoe's in Compton. I shot a video there, and the nicest owner, the best brisket tacos on the West Coast I've had, and you don't feel like you have to behave in the way that you do if you're eating in Venice or in West Hollywood. It's just it's just humans making barbecue that's delicious. It's amazing. Well, and that's the thing that I hope you get from this list. Now, like I said, there's a couple fancier places because, look, everybody needs to treat themselves every once in a while. But most of this stuff is just great food. There's a place that David Bastie, who's now the, uh, he's now the PR guy for the Atlanta Falcons, but he used to be the sports information director at the University of Houston. He took me to this place in Houston that is in the back, like behind the wall of a Mexican grocery mm-hmm. store. And they serve real gorditas. Yeah. And they've got the the giant, you know, spinning spits of meat that they're shaving off into the gorditas. The gorditas are like $3. Two of them will fill you up for an entire day. That is some of the best food I have ever had in my life. I mean, there's very... That place is on the list. There are very few things that make me happier than a Mexican grocery store, both in terms of the products sold, the baked goods, the counter that has the tacos. That's just, it's one of my very few happy places. I love it. I believe you entirely. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's not always where you think it's going to be. Now, sometimes sometimes the the place with the reputation, Franklin Barbecue in Austin, you're going to wait four and a half hours in line. Guess what? It is the best, best, the best brisket on earth. And people keep trying to top it, and they haven't done it yet. And there's some really good places you can go where you don't have to wait four and a half hours. But if you want the best brisket, you're going to have to wait at Franklin. But the thing is, that has created some creativity around it you know you can go to Leroy and Lewis in Austin where they do serve the Texas Trinity on high traffic days but they're experimenting a lot of the other days they might have beef cheek one day they might be smoking burgers one day it's fun stuff and you never know you might find something you like even better than the perfect brisket yeah I discovered there's a place pretty south in Austin called Valentina's and I think I'm pretty sure Aaron Franklin himself is like well this is this is where I go for barbecue because it is you know more Tex-Mex or just more Mexican they make their own flour tortillas on site with lard mind you the good stuff and it's the best brisket taco I've ever had and you don't need to wait a ton of time there is a wait because rightfully so everybody knows how great it is um but no the, I think the appeal of a place like Franklin is both the excellent food but it's going back to there is that community aspect you're waiting everybody's in it together you'll meet somebody from south korea in line and you'll offer them a beer if you're tailgating in line at franklin you'll meet somebody from tallahassee you'll meet somebody from camden new jersey whatever and there is something undeniably cool about and i'm not a big weight person but there is something undeniably cool about being into something together i like that well we got to wrap this up but since we're on the subject of the Franklin barbecue line, let me give one tip that we do give away in the, in the list. So if you're subscribed to the athletic, you already know this, but I'll give you one tip. And and the list is full of stuff like this, but if it's Saturday and you're in Austin, you're planning on waiting in line for Franklin. Don't you were going to go start waiting in line at about 7am. Don't do that. 
leave at seven and drive about 50 miles to Lexington, Texas. It's a little tiny town. It will be very quiet. All you'll be able to hear cows mooing. You go to Snow's Barbecue. It opens at eight o'clock in the morning every Saturday. And it is only open on Saturdays. And it is open from 8 a.m. until they sell out. The brisket may not be quite as good as Franklin, but it is probably 96% as good. The ribs are amazing. Everything there is good. Eat breakfast there and buy enough barbecue to bring back with you to Austin for your lunch and dinner. And you will have a better story to tell and you will be just as happy. I think that's right. I mean, I was I was going to go a different direction and just say, go literally anywhere else for barbecue in East Austin. You go to La Barbecue, go to Micklewaite, go get breakfast tacos. Um, but you're right, because if I'm here espousing the virtues of going to a place and experiencing that place, going to Texas and driving through Central Texas and seeing, I think her name is Tootsie. What's her name? The it's something like that. Miss Tootsie. Yeah. But I believe she has passed away. Did she? Oh, no. Her, I'm sorry. Her son passed yeah. away. That's what it was. He was. He helped her work the pits. Right. But yeah, she she worked for the... I don't know if she still works for the school system during the week. Right. But that's what she did. And then uh, Carrie, the guy who runs the place, has been all sorts of things. Real estate agent, rodeo clown, <laughs> you, you name it. And, and they, just, they just sit there and tell stories the whole time. Yeah, and I, I felt the same way, even though I didn't have to drive quite as far, going to, I think it's what, Northport, Alabama for Archibald's? Ugh, like, where it's yes. just like you're going to a place. You're not going to, you know, you're not, there's no fountain drinks. There's, you're just going to a place to eat and be with humans, and it's, it's a superior experience. Well... We'll give that secret away too, because if you if you know me, <laughs> it's I've, on your I've list. Said that I'm not I'm not times. blowing you up. Archibald's, my favorite ribs in America, obviously on the list. That much more famous place in Tuscaloosa, not on the list. Because it feels like you're going to a barbecue place, and that's fine. I I think I've went to that place that you're referencing once. It's fine, but it's not in the same way being somewhere being at a place like Archibald's is because you'll drive by Archibald's a 30 40 times before you actually see that it's a dirt driveway that goes up to a counter where they're smoking you, right you behind think it's somebody's the house yeah it's it's amazing and I've, I've been to a place like that I want to say in Charlottesville a pulled pork place where you just get lost going in the outskirts of Charlottesville and those are whether it's a, a taco stand in LA, whether it's Archibald's. In There's Alabama. a great one in San Antonio car, car, called Carnitas Lonja. Okay, and again, same thing. You, you feel like you're going into the backyard of somebody's house to eat, and nobody's and nobody's amazing. getting rich cooking you food. Nobody's getting rich. They're doing it. Be, they're not. I mean, they're not doing it for the money. They're not doing it to be restaurant magnets. They're doing it because I am passionate. I mean, Rodney Scott in South Carolina. I am passionate about this. I want to make it as well as yeah, I he, can. He may be getting rich off the swells in Charleston. That's now true. He's got the place in Charleston, but he ain't getting rich in Hemingway no. at the original place. Right. They're doing it because like. I can't stop thinking about making whole hog barbecue. I can't stop thinking about making sourdough pizza dough. And I love I love expertise and I love that kind of passion. Well, this has been a beautiful discussion. It's it's making me feel good, making me a little bit hungry. Yep, same. But for those of you who live in towns near the places I mentioned on this list, do us a favor and and go have lunch or dinner there. Yeah. Go pick it up, take out. Uh Please make sure you keep these places supported and we'll keep ours supported that are nearby. And then when we can all travel again, we can all compare notes. We can all share. 
That's that's the best part is telling each other the stories. And post so, post pictures Dan, of your thank food you on so Instagram, much by the way. For this. Yeah, of course. Post pictures of your food on Instagram and tell your friends, show your friends where they should be eating and spending their hard-earned cash. But don't spend the whole time taking the no, picture. No, no, no. Take a picture and eat. You're good. Uh, thank you for having me. This was amazing. I, I could sit here, stand here, and talk about food in America for another hour. But we need to let you get back. You you have a very important college football podcast <sighs> that you need to, to do with, with your co-host, Ty Hildebrandt. And for those of you who aren't already listening to the Solid Verbal, listen, I want you to listen to my show, but you love college football. You're going to like both. So I know we have some verballers who listen to the Andy Staples show. Hopefully, I, I don't know if we have a name for the people who listen to the Andy Staples show, assheads or something like that, <laughs> asshats. That's probably a good one. Uh, but asshats, please listen to the Solid Verbal if you're not already. Dan Rubenstein, thank you so much. My pleasure. Anytime.